Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Number 877-381-3811, It's amazing. When you listen to Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, you have to listen carefully because gibberish is hard to interpret, and the rest of them, they want to change the world. They're going to remake the world. They got plans for everything. All kinds of plans for you, your homes, your cars, your family, your schooling, the air you breathe, the water you drink. Oh, they've got all kinds of plans for you, each and every one of you. And they've only shown us a little bit of ankle. They're going to move heaven and earth. And yet, today it's the do-nothing Democrats. They don't even have to move heaven and earth. How about passing a budget? How about doing the little things that are necessary for the government to function? And they're the greatest blackmailers the earth has ever known. Not the mob. They are legislative terrorists. May I say that, Mr. Producer? I think I will. You are to give them everything they want, the vast majority of which has nothing to do with public health, the coronavirus, law enforcement, that is, the crises of the moment. Or they'll stiff you. They'll stiff you. They don't care that millions of people are unemployed. They say they care, but they don't care. They don't care that one-third of the restaurants that were in business just a few months ago are likely never to be in business again. They claim they care, but they don't care. Now, I watched part of this hearing with our buddy Tony Fauci. And you know the affection I and this program have for little Tony. May I call you little Tony, Tony? I think I will. 
All four feet, nine inches of the gentleman. But he's bigger than life because the media like him. The media want to like them. The media have known him for 50 years. He's been in Washington, D.C. I looked this up. Almost as soon as he became a practicing physician. He's been in the federal government since 1968, Mr. Producer. By my calculation, that's 52 years. And he's 80 years old. So pretty much after he got out of medical school, he became a bureaucrat. He doesn't have a lot of experience in the day-to-day treatment of patients. I'm sure he's treated some patients. It's a requirement, really. But he doesn't have the experience with patients that, for instance, all those doctors in those white jackets a few days ago did and do, all of whom have come under vicious assault because the Fouch, the Fouch is highly political. And while he'll throw a few crumbs to the president, the lib media love him. They love him. And they want Fauci to rule the earth. Because if we're up to Fauci, the entire country would be shut down. It would be North Korea. At night, the satellites would show no lights in the United States of America. Now, the Fauci, having been a bureaucrat for half a century in two years, he doesn't know how food winds up on his table. He doesn't know how to farm. He doesn't know how to ranch. He's not familiar with truckers. He's not familiar with the people who wrap the groceries, excuse me, who shove the groceries, and on and on and on. He doesn't know how clean water gets to his home or gets to his office, or hot water for that matter, or how sewage goes from a restroom to a location not to be spoken of. He doesn't have the foggiest idea how the world works. But he's focused like a laser on the virus. Or is he? Or was he? It's amazing to listen to how he speaks. He will tell you with the greatest authority, I follow the science. I am a public scientist. That's what I am. And he does that to squelch any disagreements and to make it clear that he's as objective as you can imagine. As you can imagine, he looks at the data. That's all. He's a data man. One of the brilliant philosophers and writers out there is Angelo Codelvia. C-O-D-E-V-I-L-L-A. You've heard us talk about him before. And he has this piece in AmericanGreatness.com. I knew for sure that Anthony Fauci is a fraud after listening to him for about 10 seconds, as anyone else who listens carefully would have known as well. President Trump has been charging the Chinese government with obscurancy and deception in its handling of the novel coronavirus outbreak. Fauci had dealt intimately with the Chinese on that matter. His National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases and the Centers for Disease Control have partially financed the notorious Wuhan laboratory, where Chinese scientists were researching the virus. So Fauci knew a lot. A reporter asked Fauci if he'd agreed with Trump that the Chinese have not been fully forthcoming about the scope of the pandemic. Fauci answered that although the Chinese had lacked candor in previous years, this time they had turned over, quote, the sequence of the virus, unquote. 
spoken like a wily swamp reptile. His words were factually correct. The Chinese had turned over all they knew about the virus's sequence, namely its genetic structure. But the reporter and the audience neither knew nor cared about that. They were interested in the Chinese government's misrepresentations of the virus's contagion, fatality rate, and so forth. That is what they had dissembled and lied about. Fauci's answer artfully deceived the audience into believing the opposite of the truth. Thus did Fauci help plant a dagger between Trump's shoulder blades and help his party, the Democrats, and the deep state extort the American people's compliance to their agendas? Donald Trump's decision to accredit Dr. Anthony Fauci as the COVID-19 pandemic's guru is largely responsible for the extent of the panic that gripped America in the spring and now summer. Fauci is a bona fide graduate of medical school. Many attest to his earlier epidemiological brilliance. But none of the words by which he has helped inflict chaos on America have reflected either medical or epidemiological facts. Fauci has acted as and has been a politicized partisan bureaucrat. While pretending to be the the disinterested authority of physicians and scientists. The pretense that COVID-19 is something like, and hence is to be treated like the plague, is the essence of the scam that the deep state and the Democrat Party are perpetuating on Americans. Anthony Fauci's pseudo-medical, pseudo-scientific pretense is the foremost pillar of that lie. Sowing and maintaining confusion about the severity of cases of COVID-19 infections, indeed, about the very meaning of the word case, has been at the heart of that lie. Understanding the truth begins with comparing the infection and fatality rate. Man, we talked about this three, three and a half months ago. The infection and fatality rate, IFR, of ordinary seasonal flu, 0.01%, with that of the bubonic plague or smallpox, around 30%, and then realizing that COVID-19's IFR is roughly that of the flu. Although Fauci was not the sole author of the confusion, he surely was most influential in spreading it. And it was a lie, because by January, Fauci knew that despite the Chinese government's indications and media management to the contrary, COVID-19 was what we in the West have since learned from experience, deadly to the very old and otherwise compromised, but milder, milder than most flu strains for just about everyone else. That knowledge notwithstanding, Fauci concurred with the mathematical modeler's dire forecasts of frightful across-the-board mortality rates. He substantiated their baseless assumptions of an IFR of around 5% for everyone by citing as, quote, case, unquote, any sick person who tested for the virus, who had a fever, cough, or other respiratory symptoms like those caused by the virus. He then agreed that all such persons who died should have their deaths attributed to the virus. In late March, Fauci convinced President Trump that a wave of such deadly cases, quote-unquote, would overwhelm America's health care system unless Americans huddled at home. The president agreed. Remember 15 days to slow the spread? Thereafter, the lockdowns took on a momentum of their own. So mindless of reality was this momentum that it shoved aside the only medical fact that made any difference, namely the vulnerability of the old and fragile people. Hence, Fauci's CDC, now Fauci doesn't run the CDC, but he obviously influences it, all keen to free up hospital space, advise state and local health systems 
to transfer all manner of patients into nursing homes and long-term care facilities. Thus did Fauci's CDC, again, he doesn't run the CDC, become the efficient cause of the Holocaust that killed perhaps 60,000 practically captive old folks. By mid-April, however, as the great wave simply was not happening, any number of independent studies were establishing COVID-19's true low IFR, that is, case-to-death rate. Fauci retreated, no longer linking cases to deaths. He used the panic he had helped foment and the credit that Trump had naively given him to finagle Trump into agreeing to a staged plan to end the lockdowns, which, upon closer look, was really a plan for perpetuating them regardless of what happened. The essence of this fraud is the pretense that all COVID-19 infections are cases requiring sequestration and quarantine, even if they involve persons to whom the virus poses no danger at all. That is, nearly all Americans. To keep down the number of so-called cases Fauci now preaches, Americans will be willing to accept any number of arbitrary restrictions, not least of which is superintendents by contact tracers, quote-unquote, empowered to allow or disallow anyone from ordinary employment and human contact. To grasp Fauci's dishonesty, being anything but ignorant, he knows exactly what he's doing, we need not recall his self-contradictions regarding the wearing of masks or regarding the risks associated with Holy Communion versus sex with strangers. Let us only recall what this board-certified physician has done and done about the drug hydroxychloroquine. This standard anti-malaria drug's usefulness against COVID-19 was discovered accidentally as physicians around the world found it useful for treating patients, especially in the disease's early and mid-stages, and President Trump praised it. The deep state howled. Fauci tried to backstab Trump by pointing out that the drug had not been specifically approved to treat COVID-19. Reporters refused to accept a backhanded put-down. When one asked whether he would take the drug, were he infected with COVID-19? Fauci said yes but qualified that he would do so only as part of an FDA study. Later, as the deep state's campaign against Trump's drug, quote-unquote, produced studies obviously biased against it, Fauci happily retreated to saying the drug was now off the table, and he did that again in his testimony. But by June, a major peer-reviewed studies, has major peer-reviewed studies, confirmed hydroxychloroquine's usefulness. Fauci remained silent. He was doing the best he could for his class, not for us. And now he attacks the quality of those studies. And he's attacked it today in a hearing. And I'm going to straighten that out in about a week or two. Now, this is not how scientists behave, much less is it how doctors behave who take seriously the Hippocratic Oath. Fauci, unfortunately, behaves as an ordinary creature of the Washington Swamp. So that is... How Angelo Cotavilla puts it, he's not impressed with Fauci at all. I must say, I don't even know why he's out there publicly anymore. I mean, beyond telling us not to wear masks and then wear masks, and huddle down and slowly open, now huddle down again. I don't know what the hell he's told us. Publicly. Anything else? No, he's used as a spitball against the president... And against all these other scientists and experts, whether they're from Stanford or Yale or Oxford or Rockefeller College, or whether they've been working on the front lines in this country or other countries, he dismisses all of them. 
the man who hasn't treated a real patient in the private sector since I think I was 10 or 11 years old. I'll be right back. Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires an educated people, a people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale's been providing the education needed to preserve free government for 175 years. It continues to provide that education today, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its online courses, its support of classical K-12 charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating back to 1844, commit the college to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. And it will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. So here we have a drug that has become controversial, hydroxychloroquine, which has been in existence since the 1940s, was considered a miracle drug, an anti-malaria drug. Hundreds of millions of people have taken it Hundreds of billions of times. It's got to be one of the most widely used, certainly over a period of time, drugs in the history of mankind. And um, a doctor used to be free to prescribe it to you prior to about a month or two ago. We now have pharmacies that won't dispense it. We now have pharmacies that won't dispense it. We now have pharmacists who won't dispense it. We now have medical boards and states who won't, that won't approve it. We now have doctors like Simone Gold who are fired for using it. And it has a tremendous record. The mortality rate in using hydroxychloroquine is almost zero. Doesn't that strike you as strange? And the cost is affordable to every American on the face of this country. Every single one. It's pennies a pill. So if a doctor prescribes it and they think it can work and it's cost effective and the mortality rate is almost non-existent, don't you find this a little funny? Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires an educated people, a people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for 175 years. It continues to provide that education today, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its online courses, its support of classical K-12 charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating back to 1844, commit the college to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God. 
Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. And it'll continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. The voice of sanity in an insane world. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now at 877-381-3811. You know, for more than four months on this program, I've brought to you various experts, both as guests and their various writings. I've done the same on television. I mean, top of the line, almost geniuses who have challenged some of Fauci's decisions and some of Burke's decisions. Are you not amazed? These people, I didn't invent them. There they are. They're well known. Is it not amaze you the complete lack of curiosity by the United States Congress in holding hearings to hear from these people? This is a massive pandemic, right? It's what we're told. It's a complex virus. All kinds of extraordinary things have been done to our country, in our families, our lifestyles. The, most of the schools are still shuttered. Wouldn't you think there'd be some interest by some committee in Congress to hear from voices, experts, scientists, medical professionals who have some different or conflicting ideas with Anthony Fauci? Or the CDC or the NIH? This is the problem, whether it's any bureaucracy, Department of Education, Department of Agriculture, Department of this, Department of that. They can't possibly have all the information, all the knowledge that exists in the United States. They can't possibly have it, and they don't. So does it not shock you that to the best of my knowledge, these people have not been consulted? There hasn't even been any kind of curious inquiry about what they say. Same with those who have spoken out on hydroxychloroquine. They have been banished. Their words have been stricken from the public square. Some of their careers have been destroyed. Now that's not Normal? That's not natural. That's not how you deal with science. Science is science. And there may be some challenges to the science. I mean, Dr. Fauci has on his hands these early models that were utterly and completely wrong. And then he, he shucks and jives like a politician. Well, those are the modelers. He takes responsibility for nothing. Those are the modelers. And so when you put the data in, if the model's not right, well, who's in charge of the models? He's in charge of the models and the data is when they, uh, data when it works, and he's not when it doesn't work. It's like the masks, his excuse. Well, we needed the masks for the professionals, so we didn't want people to go out and buy them. So he lied to us. He flat out lied to us if you buy his latest defense. He still hasn't explained why in January, late January, early February, on three separate occasions, He said this virus is not any worse than the flu. Don't worry about it. What information did he have back then to make such pronouncements? 
And why do the media keep building this guy up? Because he wants to destroy the economy. I'm not saying he wants to destroy it to destroy it, but his prescription, his prescription is poison for the nation. He's worried about you know, hydroxychloroquine. The poison pill that he's fed the nation has been a disaster. And I watched him at this hearing today. The head of the CDC, the head of NIH, the assistant secretary at HHS, they're peers with him, and yet he's the maestro, or he thinks he's the maestro. He answers for them. He doesn't even stay in his lane. And in the media, when he's not present, when the president speaks about these issues, where's Dr. Fauci? I don't know. In 2009, during the swine flu, where was Dr. Fauci? Nobody knew who the hell he was. He did some interviews, but he wasn't standing there at every press conference that Obama or Biden had. Is that a requirement now? So the media are utterly unreliable. Because number one, ignorant. Number two, political. Number three, left wing. Number four, ignorant again. And when you try to question Fauci, as they did today on the Republican side, he gets his back up. But he knows how to play the system. He's been in Washington over 50 years, 52 years. So he knows how to testify. He knows nuance. He knows how to kind of play one side against the other. He knows the drama that's in politics and how to participate in it. And one of the questions I've been asking is, how can you possibly, as one human being, digest all the information, all the data out there from... like he does, Mr. Producer. I can't have a media schedule like he does. I don't even want a media schedule like he does. And why? To go out there and say, wear a mask and stay home? That's all he says anymore. And the problem, you see, is not enough people wore masks. The same man six months ago who said, don't wear masks. We've got thousands of experts out there. Hundreds at the top-tier line, from top schools, from top labs, from, from top corporations, with enormous knowledge and experience. They're not tapping into them. They don't even want to hear from them. And if you dare to now support as an option, as simply an option for a doctor to prescribe hydroxychloroquine, you're going to destroy your career. Now you're a kook. You must be a kook. Now, I want you to keep something else in mind, not from a conspiratorial point of view, but remember, we're dealing with Washington, D.C., where money and power are everything. Because this hydroxychloroquine is now a generic, really, nobody makes any money off it. It's pennies for the capsule. That's one of the reasons, I believe, that Washington so rejects it. There's no special interest in Washington, D.C. 
for hydroxychloroquine. There's no corporation. There's no federal lab. They'd have nothing to do. So in the confines of Washington, D.C., where all the expertise is and all the media are and all the rest of it, this is like the worst drug possible because it might actually help people quickly. It could be a prophylactic for many people quickly. But Washington doesn't benefit from it. The bureaucrats don't benefit from it. The special interests don't benefit from it. And the media want to use it to hammer the president over the head. When you read the Daily Beast, which really just don't do it after a meal, or the Huffington Compost, or you watch these cable people, so ignorant, so moronic, the experts that they attack have so much more educational background and knowledge about what they're talking about than these political left-wing hacks who trash them. That hearing today should have had Fauci, should have had the expert from Yale right next to him, should have had the expert from Stanford right next to him, and then the whole country could hear what all they have to say about these various studies and so forth. But that's not how it works. That's not what they want. Now, let's move along. They're, they're related. It has to do with the culture. Taking a knee at sporting events. Walking off the court or what have you. When the national anthem is played. Quote, unquote, social justice statements on shirts or stickers on helmets. End zones with social justice statements. Black Lives Matter. Pitching mounds. Same thing. Corporations all in. Name changes. Promoting Black Lives Matter and other organizations. You see, ladies and gentlemen, this is the culture. The radical left Marxist Black Lives Matter Antifa Democrat Party agenda now is fed to us in various forms of propaganda in everything we do. It's now free advertising. And there's repetition involved. Watch a sporting event. Any sporting event. Any. There it is. There it is. You buy something on the internet from Corporation X or Corporation Z, there it is. In our schools, there it is. There's now no escaping. This is how they conquer us from within. And this is part of a movement. And it's very cool for younger people to be part... I don't know, do you guys, many of you have kids and grandkids? Have you noticed some of them are getting sucked into this stuff? The pressure is both overt and the images are constant. Almost subliminal. What do you mean there's not... Systemic racism. Of course there's systemic racism. 
well, there's no racism in our family. We're not talking about our family. There's no systemic racism. The vast majority, now we know this is a matter of fact, because federal law enforcement has tracked this. The vast majority of those attacking that Portland courthouse are white, average age 28. Very few black people, very few minorities. White, mostly college-educated, mostly upper-middle-class kids. Remember I said the media ought to find out who these are because this is kind of how I pegged it? Overwhelmingly white. Overwhelmingly college-educated. And the average age around 28. Trying to burn down a federal courthouse. Shocking, isn't it? That's the culture at work. The culture. Look at the public schools today. And look how you have to buy into the narrative. You have the head of the CDC who testified today that the science shows the kids can go back to school. Fauci's there. Follow the science. Wear a mask. Follow the science. Wear goggles. Follow the science. Stay at home. Well, then you're going to starve to, get to death, Fauci, because unless you have uh, cattle on your back or chickens or, or you're raising uh, wheat or you're growing wheat or corn, how are you going to eat, pal? That's a whole other issue. This is constant indoctrination. This is the next generation. Portland, 72, 73% white. And that's the courthouse in Portland. That's the focus of the attacks. More when I return. I'll be right back. Hillsdale College serves four purposes. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom. And freedom requires an educated people, a people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale's been providing the education needed to preserve free government for 175 years. It continues to provide that education today, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its online courses, its support of classical K-12 charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating back to 1844, commit the college to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. And it'll continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Portland is over 72% white and 6.1% black. Seattle is over 66% white and 7.7% black. And this is where much of the Marxist activity is taking place. And much of the violence that took place after the initial arson and loot in New York City Again, mostly young, educated, 
not exclusively, mostly white, educated, young people. Now, that's completely separate from not revolutionary violence, but criminal violence that you see in Chicago, where the overwhelming majority of murder is black-on-black murder. And same with virtually every other metropolitan area. Gotta love these Democrat cities, don't you? This is why people are fleeing them. They're fleeing these cities. They're turning into Baghdad. They're turning into Ramallah. Bob, Shreveport, Louisiana, XM Satellite. Bob, go right ahead, please. Hey, uh, Mr. Levin, thank you so much for having me on. It's an honor to talk to you. Thank you, sir. Um, <laughs> so, uh, You're a physician, say, uh, correct? I am a physician. I've been All right. on the front lines of this since the beginning. So um, you're, working, you're working in the hospitals, uh, treating patients directly. I'm, wor- I'm treating patients. I'm in the outpatient setting. I'm in the ER setting. I'm in the inpatient setting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have been following not just the CDC uh, studies uh, and the VA studies that were severely flawed methodologically, um, and the the Lancet study, which was retracted because it was which so- was a lie. It, exactly, it was. Um, I'm also following some studies out of India and Bangladesh. Um, in India, they're using hydroxychloroquine not only as a treatment, but also as prophylaxis. Um, I'm not convinced that it is effective as a post-exposure prophylaxis, but I am convinced that it is effective as a, uh, as a maintenance dose prophylaxis. Um, so All right, let's slow down so everybody understands. You're saying use it before you get the virus. Yes. That's what you're saying. And so you're saying, even more aggressively, we should be distributing this drug to as many Americans as possible. It's entirely possible. There could be some adverse effects in certain people. So I wouldn't say it's a good blanket, but it is one of the several weapons we have in our arsenal. There are about five different mechanisms that we can use to attack this virus. Budesonide is great. I've been using it in a lot of my patients in a nebulized form. Ivermectin, there's a cool study out of Australia. That I'm, I'm, I'm going to run out of time. Quickly, um, hydroxychloroquine. Have you given that to your patients, yes or no? I am. I am. Any, any of them die as a result of that drug? No. Plus zinc, plus vitamin D3. Exactly. you got to take it the right way. Zinc, vitamin D3, and hydroxychloroquine, doctor. I've got to run. I wish I could keep you longer. Thank you. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. You know, the people who are least observant when it comes to Dr. Fauci's edicts are the people on the left. They support him. They demand that the rest of us comply. But if you organize to burn a federal courthouse, 
They'll tell you that's protected under the Constitution. If you organize to go to church, the Supreme Court will reject you. And as I said on Hannity last night, it's an amazing thing watching that John Lewis memorial service. Why do these things go on and on, Mr. Producer? You know, in my faith, you're buried relatively quickly. I'm not saying every faith has to do that, but these become spectacles. It goes on for like a week. Particularly if you're, you're an icon and considered an icon of the left. I have to watch and listen to these people trash Herman Cain on the left and some in the media. John Lewis, as I said the, the day after I believe he passed away, was a tremendous civil rights hero. He did great things for the progress of this country. There is no question about it. But as a congressman, he was a partisan hack. And what he tried to do to the Tea Party movement was a disgrace. And the way he treated the President of the United States, not going to the inauguration or not going to the State of the Union, was a disgrace. I say the things, I call them as I see them. What was done to him during the movement, the civil rights movement, was horrific. But if you're in the public eye for another half century or so, it is what it is. But Herman Cain, you know very little about Herman Cain's childhood, about his career, anything else, because the media won't tell you. This is why so many people say, if you can't beat them, join them, and they shift left. I've known Professor Stephen Calabrese for decades. He and I worked together on the staff of Attorney General Edwin Meester in the Reagan administration. He's a very nice guy. He's a friend of mine. He's also quite brilliant. And he wrote a piece an op-ed that he knew would grab attention from the left, that Donald Trump's comments, the President of the United States, when he thinks of things, he says them. Talking about the election, mail-in votes, and he'll be proven right about mail-in votes because clearly it's fraudulent and clearly it's going to delay the outcome and the result of the election, depending on how close it is. It is another Democrat tool to undermine the integrity of the vote, and then to accuse your opponent of undermining the integrity of the vote. They are sinister, they are evil, they are diabolical, and they've been that way as the party of the Confederacy and throughout. And so Calabrese writes this piece about, you know, he should be impeached immediately, Uh, there's no uh, historical precedent or constitutional authority for delaying the election. The president can't delay the election. Even if he wanted to delay the election, he can't delay the election. Does anybody know why? Because the election date is set by law, and the election standards, apart from what's in the Constitution or federal statutes, are set by the states. Early voting, mail-in voting, uh, voting by absentee ballot, um, virtual voting, God knows what. The states are in charge of that. So how does the president stop that? The the whole debate is so asinine, so moronic. What he's clearly doing and trying to do is underscore the problem 
with mail-in voting, which has become a very hot ticket with the Democrats in the last six months, because they want to screw up the election process. They want to raise questions if Trump wins. They will destroy this country, burn it to the ground, literally, if they have to, to take power. Literally. That's what the president's talking about. And they still haven't accepted the election in 2016. They lied about Russia collusion and on and on and on. It's they who don't accept the results of elections. When George Bush defeated Al Gore in Florida, Al Gore didn't like it. So Al Gore went to court. Not George Bush. George Bush went to court to defend himself. And they're all poised, the Democrats, to go to court, as I tell you over and over again. They have 600 litigators ready. Nobody asked Biden if he'll accept the results. They keep saying Trump's going to issue a, 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 have martial law. Is there any evidence whatsoever that the President of the United States is going to misuse the military for anything? Anything. None. None. But they want to create that impression. You know, I, I touched a nerve, apparently. I'm getting a lot of people emailing me. Friends were telling me, when you were talking about the effects of the last four, five, six months on our families and friends... Yes, we have a family member now who's moving left, who wasn't moving left before because of all the cultural impact here. It's all around you, and it's also becoming the socially popular thing to do, that the nation is systemically racist, that America is so deeply flawed that it cannot recover, that Donald Trump needs to be defeated in order to have unity. It's having an impact. And you mark my words on this. These last several months have had a gravely deleterious effect on this nation. On families. On friends. And there have been permanent... Marks left from it. All throughout sports. You know, the one... I'm, look, I don't watch all sports, but the one sporting league where I see none of it is the UFC, or MMA generally. And that's why I watch it. And I'm happy to pay per view to watch it. No politics whatsoever. People support their country. People support their country. I don't want to hear any of their crap, any of their left-wing politics. And by the way, they say vote. Shaquille O'Neal, I'm a huge fan of Shaquille O'Neal, and he's going on in this video that's out there with Charles Barkley, who really, who really has impressed me of late. Really has impressed me, because he's a guy that really believes in free speech, free debate, People have views. They're not bad views. They shouldn't be denounced. Let them express it or not express it if they choose not to wear social activism sayings on their shirts or they choose not to kneel. This used to be the status quo position up to six months ago. Not anymore. Until these leagues are punished by you, the fans... This is going to go on and on and on. 
And the irony is you have these elitist athletes who are treated like kings and queens, who are far wealthier than any average American, and in some cases enormously wealthy, who are going to be running up and down basketball courts with social activism statements on their back, and they're going to feel great about themselves. They're going to feel superior to you. That's how they're going to feel. Because they're down for the revolution. As I say all the time, they don't live the revolution. They don't live in these inner city areas that they talk about. And they say, in the sh- and Shaq said, make sure you vote, vote. That means vote Democrat. That's what they're talking about. Vote Democrat. LeBron James is an absolute fraud. Vote. He wants you to vote Democrat. These are individuals who vote Democrat. They raise money for Democrats. They organize around Democrats. And they're multimillionaire elitists. Multimillionaire elitists. All these white people trying to burn down courthouses and neighborhoods in these majority white significant... You know what's funny? Portland, Oregon is more white than my suburban area. Do you know that, Mr. Producer? I live in an area, it's not 72.5% white. They talk about the suburbs? When you talk about President of the United States, rightly, and we've been talking about this a lot, trying to protect the suburbs from the federal government that wants to devour them, you read these articles that say, well, he's trying to get to his white base and so forth and so on. Really? Well, my suburb... Is not as white as Portland, Oregon. I don't think it's as white as Seattle. So they push these stereotypes out there, you see. And there must be something good going out on the suburbs because so many people want to escape to the suburbs, including black people, including brown people, including other people. Something must be going on right in the suburbs. What could it possibly be? Better schools? Safer, cleaner, well, and most of them, not all of them, are Republican. Most of the other areas are Democrat. Oh, my goodness. And here's LeBron James. I detest this guy. I really detest this guy. We've invited him on this program, the NBA doesn't answer us. His people don't answer. I detest this guy. Because he's a hypocrite. Sorry, Stephen A. He's a hypocrite. LeBron James salutes Colin Kaepernick for inspiring NBA's national anthem demonstration. After kneeling during the national anthem on opening night of the NBA's bubble restart, LeBron James dedicated the coordinated social justice demonstration to former NFL quarterback Colin Kaepernick. So you have a billionaire saluting a millionaire. Now, this has an impact on the culture, particularly young people. It has an impact on the culture. And we're seeing that now. It's cool to support socialism. It's cool to want to destroy society. It's cool 
to call the people around you systemically racist. You feel more powerful. And you think you're thinking independently. I think for myself now. Uh, No, you don't. You think like a third grader. Like a third grader. LeBron James. I would ask those who support LeBron James beyond basketball, what kind of a civil rights leader joins arm in arm, almost literally, with a genocidal mass murdering, mass torturing, mass sexually abusing regime in a communist country called China? This man's an opportunist. He's an opportunist. He makes an enormous amount of money off of Nike. The NBA was breaking its ass to break into China. In fact, I'll go even further, Stephen. He's a sellout. He's a sellout to the communist regime in China. It's one thing to run up and down a basketball court in America and say whatever the hell you want. You'll go utterly unmolested. In fact, you'll be cheered as some kind of a civil rights leader. LeBron James is no civil rights leader. He has nothing on the line. John Lewis was a civil rights leader. Rosa Parks was a civil rights leader. Martin Luther King was a civil rights leader. Frederick Douglass was a civil rights leader. These are individuals who literally put their life on the line for basic human rights and dignity. This guy's a billionaire basketball player. All these people, all the bloodshed, all the fighting all, had occurred before him. He's a beneficiary of it all. And he tweets, pops off. He's not down for any revolution. He's down for LeBron James. And so are all these jerks, whether they're in the Major League Baseball, football, basketball, what else is are they doing it at hockey now too, Mr. Adu? I don't even know. I don't even care. I don't care if it comes down to watching professional bowling. That's where I'm going. UFC and professional bowling. That's fine by me. I'll be right back. Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. I'm keeping an eye on the weather uh, that is building towards South Florida and towards the east coast of Florida. 
Uh, there's a hurricane that's building there. It was supposed to be a tropical storm, but it looks like it's moved up. The National Hurricane Center has once again made a change in their forecast, so this thing's wiggling around, but it looks like it's pretty tight now. They now say it's a Category 1 hurricane with sustained winds of 81 miles per hour and gusts of 98 miles per hour. That's windy. Uh, That's what we have right now. Um, And there's not going to be an update until about 5 a.m. in the morning. And this thing's going to hit, they think, Saturday morning. And as I look at its trajectory... Looks like it's going to come right through my front door in Florida. I'm just saying. Now, let me say this. My house in Florida, where I'd like to live permanently. And if this damn state of Virginia takes one more step to the left, I'm out of here. Income at all. And screw them. Now, where was I? This uh, house that, that we built in Florida is built to withstand 210-mile-an-hour winds. Can you believe that, Mr. Producer? It's built like a pillbox. You ever see these World War II movies with pillboxes, they used to call them? It's got more rebar and cement than you can possibly imagine. Pilings. This is not a massive house. There are 66 pilings under this house. And... Some of them go 45 feet under the ground, some of them 25 feet under the ground to hit the hard rock through the sand. And uh, the walls are rebar and cement, about eight inches thick, same with the floors. The roof is built with massive, I don't even know what they call it, and these long, long Thick screws. The windows can take a forty caliber bullet and it won't won't make a dead. The windows suck them in. The doors all have five bolts on each door. And they're all three and a half inches to four inches solid and thick. Now, I'm not worried about the house. I'm worried about everything around the house. You know, like the driveway, the trees, this, that. But it'll be able to handle 100 miles an hour. That I know. I'll be right back. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Where Americans meet to defend liberty and defeat Tyranny. Call the Mark Levin Show now at 877-381-3811. Well, we've got quite a uh, Republican primary for the uh, nomination for the United States Senate out of a solid conservative state we call Tennessee the volunteer state. Um, and the two leading candidates, 
It appears to be neck and neck. We have Dr. Manny, who I think will be a tremendous senator, who's also been endorsed by Ted Cruz and Jim DeMint and Rand Paul, and his opponent, Haggerty, who's been endorsed by, among others, Mitch McConnell, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, um, trying to think of every Marco Rubio, uh, of course, the president has the president has actually done very little on behalf of Haggerty, quite frankly. But I see this as the Tea Party and the Reagan Revolution rising up and saying no more rhinos in the Senate, not out of conservative states. We just can't handle it anymore. And this is why I like Dr. Manny and Dr. Manny has called in. How are you, sir? Hey, Mark, brother. Thank you so much for having me. Tell us what's going on on the ground so that Tennesseans in America can know about what is considered the, uh, one of the most important Republican primaries in the country. Well, brother, we're winning this race here in Tennessee. It's a, a conservative movement rising, as you said. People in Tennessee, they, they want a true outsider, a Christian conservative. Uh, but when you turn on the television uh, every hour, you're seeing about three attack ads from my opponent who's just leveling baseless attacks against me and my family because they're getting desperate. But I feel really good. Early voting ends tomorrow, and Election Day is next Thursday, and uh, we, uh, we're going to win. So does voting still occur tomorrow? Does it end at the end of tomorrow? Yes, yes. Early voting ends uh, t- tomorrow evening. So people can vote tomorrow. Saturday might be a big day then, right? That's right. That's right. And, uh, and we're really excited. All right. Now, what are the big differences between you and your opponent? Number one, he's outspending you big time. Number two, he's got Mitch McConnell spending a fortune. Why is Mitch McConnell spending so much time to defeat you? Well, I don't know. That's a great question. I do know that uh, I read in the Federalist uh, recently, a magazine, that he, uh, my opponent was at a, at a luncheon in the Senate dining room. Uh, I don't even know where that is, but he said uh, at, the, at the end of this lunch, I'm on Team Mitch, and you can count on me. And, uh, and I think that's why, because he's going to fall in line with the Republican establishment, with the swamp, and I think that's the biggest difference between us. Look, he's a Washington insider. Uh, he was Mitt Romney's national finance chairman in 2008 when Fred Thompson was running. And uh, he just comes from inside the swamp. Wait a minute. I and- just want to underscore this. Fred Thompson, who was a personal friend of mine, who I actually, I actually endorsed in that primary, this guy's a Tennessean, and he backed Romney over Fred Thompson? That's right. That's right. And he was a Jeb Bush presidential delegate. Uh, he made uh, a lot of his, – his company made a lot of money off Common Core. And, uh, and now uh, all the money you're talking about, Mitt Romney's National Finance Network is funding a super PAC, uh, which is uh, baselessly attacking my family. And, but, but, I, but the time has come where I believe Tennesseans see right through it. They see right past it. He's trying to cloak himself in a, in a, in a conservative uh, way, but people understand uh, that he is a moderate Republican. And I see he was on Fox the other night. Uh, talking about his expertise in China. The guy was ambassador to Japan. What expertise does he have on China? Well, uh, you know, I, I'd push back there because he does have some expertise. He has expertise in shipping jobs to China because when he was the economic commissioner of development under Bill Haslam, who uh, uh, was the governor here for eight years, he made Tennessee the most dependent state uh, on China in the entire nation. He literally would have tourism visits of companies in Tennessee to go invest in China. And he also worked for Lehman Brothers in China. He's one of these money financial guys, right? Money guys where, where, where it doesn't really matter the country or so forth. It's, it's how much you can wring out of a buck, I guess. 
That's right. And, you know, he made – and there's nothing wrong with making making money. He made I'm all for dollars. it. I just want to know how. Well, he made it with Mitt Romney at the Boston Consulting Group when he was in Boston. He's nicknamed me Massachusetts Manny. But what's really funny is, is that the guy spent more time in Boston than I ever did. And when he did, that was when he became friends with his buddy Mitt Romney, and they made millions shipping jobs to China. Did he work with Mitt Romney in, uh, in finance? Yes, yes. They, were very, they remain very close. Mm-hmm. And has Mitt Romney endorsed you? Uh, no, he. But in a in a uh, Wall Street Journal article on July 11th of last year, he said, "I would love it if my friend Bill Haggerty was elected, or I'd love it if Bill Haggerty was elected." And to me, that's an endorsement. Why do you think so many of these Washington D.C. politicians and special interests and organizations? Are, are so hell-bent on not only defeating you, but destroying you? Because they want someone that they can control, and they never thought that this would be a race. They thought they would just handpick this person uh, for the people of Tennessee and that uh, they just force-feed it. But there's, there comes a moment where people see the truth, and they really want a Christian conservative outsider. They want someone who's going to fight for them and not just stand in line with the establishment. And that's why people like Ted Cruz and Rand Paul – uh, are helping me. Rand, uh, Senator Paul's coming down here for a rally tomorrow in Knoxville. Uh, Senator Cruz will be here on Monday. And, uh, and, we're, and that's what I believe that Tennesseans need, is a new generation of leadership uh, that's not going to just fall in line behind these rhino Republicans who have destroyed this country. We need a new direction. I see Marco Rubio has endorsed your opponent, correct? Uh, I, I, I haven't seen that, but it wouldn't surprise me. Or at least he spoke out in favor of your opponent last time I saw. That's right. That's right. I have seen that. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, but again, you know, that, this is what happens to all these career politicians and insiders. They just stand behind each other and hang out in their little country club because they just lose touch with people. They don't care about people. Look, I believe that we really need a free market-based health care system in this country. We've got to get rid of Obamacare. We're too reliant on the communist Chinese government. There are just so many things that are gone. This mob that's burning and rioting and looting in the streets, someone's got to speak truth to power. And these folks, they come down here, they say one thing, they do the other, and Tennesseans are just tired of it. Briefly, give us your background. Sure. Well, uh, my parents were uh, legal immigrants of an L uh, from India, and they grew up in abject poverty. Uh, They trained as doctors and came to this country, and I was born here and grew up in rural Tennessee watched them doctor to farmers, and I lost my dad when I was a young man, and that's when I was saved and found Christ, and that's when I realized that I wanted to become a doctor uh, and make a difference in this world, and I've been a trauma surgeon for 10 years at the third busiest level one center in America. About nine years ago, my wife and I created this nonprofit called Healthy Tennessee, and we've been taking care of patients all across the state. If you could believe this or not, the ambassador has even attacked a nonprofit (laughs) providing free care to patients. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I felt like I was making a difference there. But now with this open U.S. Senate seat, I just deeply believe in my heart it's a generational opportunity to make a difference uh, and to really be a conservative voice for the people in Tennessee. Why do you think Tea Party senators like, uh, like Rand Paul and Ted Cruz, one of the great Tea Party leaders, Jim DeMint, why do you think that they – came to your support. They, they, there's many primaries they can get involved in, but they chose Tennessee and they chose to back you, Dr. Manny. I think that they all were watching this race and staying on the sidelines, but when my opponent started baselessly attacking me and lying, I think it really upset them. And when they saw Mitt Romney and Mitch McConnell pouring money into this thing, attacking my family, 
uh, they wanted to come down here and help. And, uh, and they know uh, what a true conservative is. You know, a fisherman sees another fisherman from afar, and, uh, and they understand. And they're sick and tired of having these senators who come up there and just stand in line uh, and do whatever the uh, leadership tells them. And I'm not going to be that guy. I refuse. I'm asking you a serious question because I've, I've tried to figure this out. Can you tell me, your opponent, he's been around a long, long time, what has he done that's been conservative in any of these positions that he's held? Uh, he really hasn't. Uh, when he was the economic commissioner, he just uh, uh, was a corporate welfare trader. When he uh, was in the private sector, he shipped jobs to China. I mean, this is exactly, he's a good man. He's a good family man, but he is just not someone that we need in the U.S. Senate. I, I, I just really believe uh, he will just be more of the same, uh, more of, of what we've had, and, and we need change. All right. If people want to learn more about you, particularly Tennesseans, where do they go? You can go to drmannyforsenate.com, uh, and I would be so grateful for your help and support. Uh, I believe uh, we're going to win. We're in a position. Uh, like I said, if you turn on the TV in Tennessee right now, every ad is talking about how I'm so liberal. And I just ask, if I'm so liberal, how come Ted Cruz and Senator Rand Paul and Senator Jim DeMint and Mark Levin are all endorsing me and been with me? Mm-hmm. Well, they're spending a hell of a lot of money to run against somebody who doesn't exist. And that's, uh, that's right. t- that is a typical left-wing tactic, I can tell you that. All right, that's Dr. Right. Manny. Right. Thank Go out you. there God and campaign. Bless, All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. God bless. God, God bless. Uh, Dr. Manny called in. If, if the other fellow wishes to call in, he's free to call in too. I will question him, of course. Uh, but that, uh, that's quite a race going on in Tennessee, and there's an awful lot of money being spent to remake Dr. Manny into something I know he's not. And so does Cruz and Paul and DeMint. Early voting ends at the end of tomorrow, and then you vote, I believe, uh, I believe it's Thursday. But you folks in Tennessee can check that out. We thank him for calling in. Technology has improved just about everything. Phones, cars, shopping. Yet mattresses have more or less been the same since the invention of sleep. But we deserve better. And finally, the mattress has evolved thanks to Purple. Now, the secret to Purple is the Purple Grid. It's a patented comfort technology that instantly adapts to your body's natural shape and sleep style. Purple is for every body, no matter how you sleep. Purple is designed with over 2,800 open-air channels and naturally temperature-neutral gel. You'll never sleep too hot. You'll never sleep too cold. It's just right. The Purple mattress is soft where you want it, firm where you need it, and comfortably cool all over. Purple is so confident in what they do that every Purple mattress comes with free shipping and returns. And they have the best risk-free guarantee of all, a 100-night risk-free trial. That's more than three months, for crying out loud. Experience the next evolution of sleep. You need a mattress? Go to Purple. You don't need a mattress, but you don't feel yours is doing that great? Go to Purple. Go to purple.com slash Levin, promo code Levin. Purple.com slash L-E-V-I-N, promo code L-E-V-I-N. And for a limited time, you'll get $150 off any Purple mattress order of $1,500 or more. That's purple.com slash Levin, purple.com slash L-E-V-I-N, promo code Levin. Act now. You'll get $150 off any mattress order 
of $1,500 or more. Terms apply, and we'll be right back. Lovin. So Joe Biden's selection of his vice presidential running mate will be pushed back further until the week before the virtual convention, the virtual brain that Joe Biden has between his ears. Uh, they're pushing it back, and the leaders are this Representative Bass, who is a longtime Castroite. Believe this? Castroite. In significant ways, and if she's the nominee, we'll go into great detail about that. Uh, of course, Kamala Harris, who is a pathological liar and fraud. May I say that? I think I will. And Susan Wright. is not her name? Not Susan Wright. The former National Security Advisor. Susan Rice. And of course, she's, uh, she's top shelf. So, no wonder he's struggling with this. The way Obama struggled with endorsing Biden. Biden's struggling among these three, uh, who are a disaster. And you watch, you won't be allowed to criticize them because you're not allowed to criticize women of color. You're only allowed to criticize conservative women of color. Okay? That's the way it works. Then you can trash till you're blue in the face. Seriously. It's kind of an odd statement, but you get my point. You haven't tried Super Beat Soft Chews I want to encourage you to give it a try because you're really missing out. Super Beet Soft Chews combine non-GMO beets with a powerful new ingredient, grapeseed extract. Now, the grapeseed extract used in Super Beet's Chews has been clinically shown to be two times as effective at supporting normal blood pressure as a healthy lifestyle alone. Better blood pressure means more energy, the way nature intended, without the jittery caffeine or stimulants. Now you can take just two delicious chews a day, anytime, anywhere, to get the blood pressure support you need and the energy you want. Do what I did and support your heart health with delicious Super Beats Chews. Get your Super Beats Chews today. Here's where you go. LevinsBeats.com. That's L-E-V-I-N-S-B-E-E-T-S.com. LevinsBeats.com. When you buy two bags, they'll throw in the third for free. That's levinsbeats.com. I'll tell you what, just try it once, and I'll bet you go back for more. levinsbeats.com, levinsbeats.com. I know you're going to like it. Mr. Producer says they taste like starbursts, if you like starbursts. But obviously, they're very healthy. So I think you'll want to try those. Okay, anything else I want to say this hour before I go to calls? Just think, oh, I have one. Wrote a note to myself. So the, uh, the American Federation <clears throat> of uh, non-working teachers, apparently, is going to back strikes in Florida, Texas, Arizona, other Republican, or at least leaning Republican states, to help to, you know, elect Democrats. So I said to Mr. Producer, Mr. Call Screener, so if the teachers go on strike, how are we going to know? How are we going to know? They're not teaching. So they go on strike. Let me tell you what you teachers and your unions are doing to you. You are demonstrating to everybody who pays your salaries, your pensions, your health care, 
everyone who pays you, that most of you are not essential. Because more and more parents are getting used to alternative forms of education. Whether they're doing it, whether they're finding a parochial school, a private entity, whether they're bringing in uh, tutors. I mean, I'm hearing about parents collectively bringing in tutors so they can split the bill and having classes in their own homes. So what you're demonstrating is we don't need as many of you. We just don't. And we can cut our taxes. It's what I call defund the teachers union. You are creating, as uh, Tony Fauci likes to say, the science, the data. You're creating the science and the data to demonstrate so many of you are not needed. You're not essential. And you can thank your union. And you can thank the Democrat Party. And you're not doing yourselves any favor. Look how heartless this is. We were told you cannot cut the student lunch program. You're killing the student lunch program. Kids aren't in school getting lunch. You can't cut this program and that program. But you've cut them unilaterally by not showing up for work. And of course, you're not following the science. And what does the science say? Your classrooms are safe. Whether the kids wear masks, you wear a mask, whether they're six feet apart, whether they're not. These little kids are not getting this. And they're not passing it. So even when they get home, they're not giving it to their family members. And they're not giving it to their teachers. And you're not giving it to them. Meanwhile, when we have a bad flu season, does anybody say, six feet apart, wear a mask, virtual teaching, and blah, blah, blah. Of course not. And yet, little kids get the flu. Little kids do die from the flu. Little kids do pass on the flu and do receive the flu. This is science. This is data. We know that they're the safest people on the face of the earth when it comes to the Wuhan China flu. Now, Eva Pelosi may not agree with that, but follow the science. The head of the CDC said it today. No, 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 not that science. He can shut down the schools. He can protest. That's okay. I know. I'm Anthony Fauci. So if the teachers go on strike, how do you know they're striking? I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin, our number, 877-381-3811. This is from AOL.com, or as we like to call it, AOL.com. 
Most Americans now believe that President Trump will not accept the results of the November election if he loses to Joe Biden. According to a new Yahoo News YouGov poll, this is the, the treachery of the American media and the Democrat Party. The Democrats and the media wouldn't accept the results of the 2016 election. Biden is armed with 600 litigators. They want to use mail-in votes to create anarchy and chaos on election night. And then they're going to blame Trump for everything that they've done. They have really perfected, perfected the expertise of fascists and Marxists. They really have. And even at le- larger majority of Trump voters say they too will refuse to accept a narrow loss if mail-in ballots contribute to Biden's victory. In the midst of a pandemic that has seen many states expand their mail-in balloting systems to limit dangerous crowding on election day, the issue of postal voting took center... Se- okay, let's stop a second. Let me, let me just ask my fellows here, Mr. Producer and Mr. Call Screener. Would you rely on the United States Post Office to determine who the President of the United States is going to be? And yet that's what the Democrats are asking us to do. This is why people are expected to show up and vote. They can say, oh, that's a human being. Oh, that's the face. That matches the driver's license or the, or the passport or some other identification. Okay, you can vote. The Democrats don't just want it easier to vote. They want it impossible to know who's voting. And then if you say, wait a minute, we need to know if the person voting is supposed to, you must obviously be racist, part of the systemically white racist DNA 1619 project. Now you go along and we'll burn your damn house down. Oh, okay. We can't even agree on having a, a, a voting system that has integrity, that has checks, that has transparency. The vote is supposed to mean something. And so you are scrutinized more when you buy a six-pack of beer or a pack of cigarettes than you're scrutinized when you vote. And that's the way the Democrats want it. Just remember, the Democrat Party is now a party of totalitarianism, where they call law enforcement stormtroopers, where they call violent rioters, mostly peaceful protesters, where they call our founding documents the work of slaveholders, while they praise Marx and Marxist, modern Marxist surrogates. And the president's right about this. He's simply right about this. Voters who support Trump, meanwhile, share their candidates' unfounded suspicions. This is a news article about postal ballot. And that's the thing. You can have a thousand examples of hundreds of thousands of mistakes with respect to specific mail-in ballots already. And they'll say, you're a conspiracy theorist. They'll push Russia collusion, knowing it's a lie, 
The people leaking it know it's a lie. The people reporting it know it's a lie. We all know it's a lie today, but they'll pretend it's the truth. These are evil bastards. May I say evil? I will. Evil bastards. They pollute and pervert everything they touch. There should really be two ways to vote for most people. With some exceptions, you either show up and vote or you have an absentee ballot. But in either case, you have to demonstrate that you're an American citizen. Oh, you must be a racist. Well, why? Are there not minorities who are American citizens? Not only that, poor people don't have ID. What are you talking about? And in every state that I'm familiar with, which is almost all of them, that have voter ID requirements that the liberals are trying to destroy, if you can't afford a driver's license, the state will pay for one. Now, who can't afford a driver's license? What are they, 25 bucks? Who can't afford a driver's license? You can't afford Obamacare, one of the great inventions of Barack Millhouse, Benito Obama, and Joe, this must be New Hampshire, Biden. But an ID has now become controversial, like hydroxychloroquine is now controversial. An ID is kind of, you want an ID? Oh my God, this guy wants an ID. Meanwhile, they want to trace you. You know what that means, Mr. Producer? They want to know where you've been. We want to know who you've been with, where you've been, how you've been there. You want to, you know, we want to know everything, everything all about you in order to you know, destroy this virus. We need to trace you. We need to track you. Trace. Track. Hunt you down. I think the liberals don't like that phrase. We need to trace people. Oh. For the virus. Oh, okay. But we don't need to see your ID when you vote. What? No, 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 no. Well, shouldn't you know if somebody's... And by the way, why is it assumed that it's racist if you need an ID? Are there not white people who cheat when they vote? Of course. We call them Democrats. So requiring an ID has nothing to do with black people, brown people, yellow people, or white people. It has to do with crooks, cheats. Just like TSA, we need an ID, and now you need a really ID, you know, super-duper ID come October, by the way. So I don't see all these blue states doing away with uh, driver's licenses, do you? You can go to prison if you're driving without a driver's license. Must be racist. No, we need to know who the hell you are, except when you vote. Now, here's the thing. 99.9% of Americans, I don't care if you're poor or rich, white or black, the product of an interracial marriage or whatever, have an ID because they drive. 99%. So taking your wallet out of your back pocket and removing the ID or taking your purse, I've never gotten this straight, your wallet out of the purse, the purse out of the pocket, you know what I mean? And taking the ID out, that is an act of racism. 
wait a minute. Wait a minute. Taking my driver's license out of my wallet? Or if you're a lady or transitioning to a lady, out of your purse? That is an act of racism if you request to see it? Well, of course it is. It's voter suppression, voter repression. How do you know? LeBron James told me it's got to be true. Everything LeBron says is true. Colin Kaepernick. Oh, he wouldn't lie. And of course, Nancy Pelosi. (laughs) Nancy, I will represent you in a massive medical malpractice case against your plastic surgeon. I will, because I feel bad for her. Her face is literally dripping from her forehead to her chin. Do you you notice that, Mr. Producer? When she's in front of the camera, it's literally wet. It's dripping. She's got four eyebrows. I mean, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What kind of sci-fi thing is this going on? And then they bring in this schlub, Chuck Schumer. Chuck Schumer has the cornrows growing off his forehead there. You know who started that? Biden. Biden started that. And you, and you can tell, you know, with Schumer, because it's like, a, it's, like a, it's like an absolutely straight line on his forehead. You know what I mean? To straight line. Now, God doesn't do that to a human being. God would not humiliate a human being like that. Now, look, I am a, uh, a phallic-challenged American. Or an FCA, we like to call ourselves. Or a PCA. <laughs> but I am challenged. And I like being bald. I must say, I must tell you. We save an enormous amount of money in this household on shampoo. Did you know that, Mr. Producer? We do. And even more money on haircuts. Did you know this? Did you know? It's true. So I don't know what Schumer's problem is. Everybody looks at his head and says, you know, that guy was bald. Now he's got, he's got those plugs up there. It's like this guy, Dan Abrams. Although I have, Dan, I've been very critical of you. Because on the one hand, you pretend to be pro-cop and pro-law enforcement. On the other hand, you run this crap website called Mediaite, which trashes the cops and trashes the country. That said, Dan Abrams has the best wig I've ever seen. You know that's a toupee, right? It's the best toupee I have ever seen. His dad is bald as a, uh, as a cue ball too, by the way. And so what happens is when you mess around, you know, when you're, when you're putting cornrows on your forehead or you got it to, people can't hear what you say. They're staring at your head. So when Schumer speaks, and then he looks down and he starts davening, uh, and, and you look at him, it's like, look at the guy's head. What did he say? I don't know what he said. I'm looking at his head. Look at this guy. It's embarrassing. When Nancy Pelosi speaks, I have to go back and listen to the clip. Because I'm watching her face. Do you know what I mean, Mr. Producer? I'm watching, I go, uh-oh, whoop, whoop. Uh-oh. Got a droopy eye, now one of the ears is drooping, the whole thing's coming apart. Got to stitch it up again in the back. I say this with all due respect, I really do. And then there's Biden. Now, Biden's like the $6 million man, but more like the $6 man. You know, Lunch Bucket Joe. 
He's got the, the cornrows going on. He's got the false teeth that were drilled into his face. Those are going on. It looks like he had a little stretch work and under the eyes, you know, getting ready for the big campaign. You go, oh, Joe. What's going on, Joe? Almost looks like a mannequin. And the reason, the reason he's talking like this a lot is because his teeth. His teeth are screwed into his jaw. That's right. It's true. I know this to be true. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. I'll tell you one thing that is really starting to tick me off, and I will say this about the last few months. It really has, in some ways, sensitized me to pigmentation, to pigmentation, skin pigmentation. Honestly, I was one of those guys that never looked and didn't give a damn. Friends of all pigmentation, all kinds of genitalia, all kinds of things going on out there. I don't care. I really don't. One of the things that's bothering me, there's a story about a great white shark off Maine who apparently killed a woman, Mr. Producer. Why is it called a great white shark when it's not white? It's gray or bluish gray? Why, why, is, that, why is that said like that, a great white shark? Now, That needs to stop. That really needs to stop. I'm not into the the name calling. And we now need to start renaming stuff, you know. Give you another example, Black Friday. Call Black Friday. Call it something else, like, you know, Turquoise Friday. That would be better. Turquoise Friday. I think we, we call it the gray Gray blue a shark. That's that's much more accurate. Uh, that shouldn't offend anybody. I'm just thinking this stuff through to the next logical point, ladies and gentlemen. Even this phrase "White House," the White House, that has a uh, a suggestion there because we only had one president who wasn't white. So maybe we ought to stop calling it the. White House. Come up with another name. We can have a contest. 
We've got to fix these things. And fast. Let me see here. We got... Uh, oh, and I, I, I didn't want time to pass with it. You know, Jerry Nadler? You know, before Jerry Nadler had that procedure, you know, where they kind of belt your, your belly. I forget what that's called. Doesn't matter. This guy was built like Montana. He looked like Montana. And this procedure didn't help him that much, as far as I'm concerned. Now he looks like West Virginia. Nadler. Oh, the gastric bypass, that's right. The gastric bypass. And yet he's still full of gastric, uh, you understand, acids. Devin, Vesper, Wisconsin, XM Satellite. How are you, Devin? Good, Mr. Levin. How are you doing tonight? I'm lovely. Thank you, sir. Awesome. I just wanted to point out an observation that I've made over the past few months. Uh, my yes. job requires me to drive from central Wisconsin to northern Wisconsin up by the UP. And uh, simply put, those that have Biden supporting signs in their yard or anything that's Democrat, they never have American flag flying in their yard or on their property whatsoever. Every single Republican or Trump supporting sign, every single one has at least one or multiple American flags on their property. I have noticed a lot of that, by the way. You're not, you're not alone. Uh, when I was driving through New Jersey a couple weekends ago, I noticed they had a Biden sign and a Black Lives Matter sign, and I pointed this out too, and no American flag. Uh, it's just a simple, I don't know, I, I, I cherish our flag. I served six years in the U.S. Army and uh, I've done two tours in Afghanistan. And no thanks required. I mean, I, I did that because it's a family tradition. That's what my family has done through generations. So um, those that disrespect it, it's, it's like, I, I just can't comprehend it. And I mean, I, 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 I have an idea on riot control of these leftists. Let me see if you agree with me. Have a big American flag when they start charging. Send it up the flagpole. They get on their knees. You know, they take a knee every time they see a flag. It's easier to round them up that way. Yes, sir. I, I agree. Uh, that's, that's All right, my friend. You take care of yourself. These leftists are so pukish. I remember the good old days that when you tried to burn down a courthouse, you were shot. When you tried to burn down a federal courthouse, you were shot. Now the debates, are we using pepper spray or are we using tear gas? Oh, the, oh it's like the Gestapo. It's like, it's like the stormtroopers coming from Eva Pelosi where they surround that white that uh, Capitol building with tank treads and everything else. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. 
And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine, full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Mark Levin, America's tyranny hunter. Call in now, 877-381-3811. How can a radio host who's supposed to be on air from 3 to 6, excuse me, from 6 to 9 Eastern, also show up on cable TV exactly the same time, Mr. Producer? One of them has been taped. All right, Dean, West Jordan, Utah, Sirius Satellite, how are you, Dean? Oh, I mean, Stephen. Now, Montgomery, you mean Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, is that where you are? Yes, sir. I used to live there. Where in Montgomery County do you live? I, I used to live by Glenside, over near where you were from, and, and now more towards the central part of the county. So you lived in Cheltenham Township? Uh, I think it was Abington Township. On the Abington side. Well, you know, when I was 19 years old, I ran for the school board in Cheltenham, and I won. Yes, I, I, I'm aware of that. And one of, the, one of the areas that I needed to vote for me did was Glenside. Wow, okay. Yes, and I visited there with my wife a couple of years ago. There was an Italian restaurant we used to go to there called Rizzo's, but it's not there anymore. You ever hear of that? Yeah, absolutely. I've been there. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's not there anymore. There's another one, unfortunately. Anyway, nobody cares but us. Go right ahead. Okay, so a lot of times people will be shocked about, uh, you know, well, why would liberals lie? Why should we think they would lie? The point I want to make is, is that if it's a small thing for them to murder babies, we should not be surprised at all if they're dishonest and lie. All right, sir, anything. sir, sir. That's a little harsh, don't you think? I mean, just because you're actually following the science, as Dr. Fauci likes to say, you're following the science. Are you trying to tell us that that's a baby, not just a thing? Well, right. There's so many issues that there's... And uh, what's your evidence for that, sir? The dishonest... Science! Science is your evidence. Sonograms are your evidence. A heartbeat is your evidence. Brain signals are evidence. It's a baby. And yet they call it a choice. And they're worked up about hydroxychloroquine. You know, the evidence is there. But the evidence is there that that's a baby. They call it a choice, and we're talking about 2,000 a day on average, 600 to 700,000 per year in the U.S., so we shouldn't be surprised if they're going to be dishonest about Flynn, Mellon voting, fragrant voter uh, fraud, COVID stats, protests, rallies, masks, mm-hmm. socialism, censoring conservatives, health care, Supreme Court, gender, BLM, history, climate change, everything. All right. You got quite a list there. Yes. All right, my friend. Thank you for your call. I want to discuss before this program is over on a Friday evening. The D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. And a man that I feel is one of our great heroes, retired Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. I feel like this is almost the Dreyfus case. You can Google that and figure it out. Here you have a man who's absolutely innocent of any crime. A man who was set up by his own government under the Obama administration. The FBI, 
federal prosecutors, a federal judge. And we have a court called the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia. That's the official name. And one of the things Obama did to that court is he added a couple seats to that court with Harry Reid because they wanted to have a majority. Right, Chief Justice Roberts? No, no, it doesn't matter who nominates judges. What an idiot. And of course I say that with all due respect. That court has 11 members. It used to have nine. Now 10 judges are going to hear that appeal by a federal judge who has, as Sidney Powell, the great lawyer for General Flynn, has said, no standing. He's not a party. And so here you have the left destroying every institution and going all out to destroy every institution. And then they wrap themselves in the Constitution so you actually think what they're doing has some legal basis, when it doesn't. We've never seen a spectacle like this before. You have the Attorney General who assigned a United States Attorney from Missouri to investigate the Flynn case anew, without any bias. He comes back after a comprehensive review and he tells the Attorney General, uh, we got to get out of this case. This poor guy was set up. Lays out the evidence. The Attorney General takes his recommendation. But some of the career prosecutors in this case, they're hacks, they're Democrats, they're obsessed, and they're very angry. So they go public. One of them, of course, is a big-time Democrat. But the Attorney General speaks for the Department of Justice. He takes the recommendation of the United States Attorney, and he says, "Uh, we're getting out of this case. We're dropping the prosecution. The judge says, the judge who is a biased hack in this case, who accused General Flynn of being a traitor from the bench, from the bench, he should have had his law license removed by the D.C. bar. But of course, you see how this works. These are all controlled by leftists. You don't call a defendant in your courtroom a traitor, you jerk. You are a jerk. You phony judge. Anyway. Nobody seems to care about that. So one of the judges on the Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit has recused himself because he was appointed by Trump. What an idiot. Just because you're appointed by Trump doesn't mean you can't be objective in this case. We don't, we don't see Democrat judges appointed by Obama or Clinton when Obama or Clinton were, hey, you know what, I'm going to recuse myself. Doesn't happen. So now you have a 7-3 to three Democrat majority on this court. Now why do you think they would take this case up? I could be dead wrong, and I hope I am. But otherwise, why go through this spectacle? So you have a rogue judge, and now you have rogue judges. And who knows what the U.S. Supreme Court will do with this because one day it may get there, depending on what happens, with John Roberts. Because John Roberts is the most political, insincere, cynical justice on the Supreme Court in modern times. And I include all the activists because he lied his way onto the court and his decisions are utterly nonsensical.
They're nonsensical. And so, in essence, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn is, for all intents and purposes, a political prisoner. He's not physically in prison, but that's where this Judge Sullivan wants to send him. He can't get his freedom back. He can't get his life back. He's in this state of basically imprisonment. He's a prisoner in his own world. And I want the judiciary to know you're destroying any reputation you ever had. You're destroying yourselves. You look like clowns. You look like hack lawyers. Not judges with integrity who have an objective role. You look like hacks. It doesn't escape our guys either. You have a justice on the Supreme Court. Gorsuch who's actually had several bizarre opinions when it's come to criminal law. And his bizarrest opinion involves the LGBTQ community having nothing to do, really, my criticism, with the LGBTQ community. That's a separate issue. Here we have a justice who thinks he's so clever that he turns the law inside out, then into a pretzel, then upside down, then burns it with a match and tells us he's interpreting the statute strictly, that he's a strict textual constructionist when it comes to his decision. That is, that a half-century-old equal rights law was always intended in its broad language to apply to the LGBTQ community. Everybody knows that's a flat-out lie. Everybody knows that's absurd. But the left is thrilled. Wow. Gorsuch did that? Yeah. Another clown act. Another bozo. Outrageous decision. Outrageous. Then we have a decision last Friday. A matter comes to the court. A church says, hey, hey. This governor says we can only have 10 or 10% of our people in the church. But when it comes to casinos, they can have 50%. That's not fair. Judge Roberts joins the four left-wing kooks, and they say, uh, sorry, we're not hearing the case. Judge Alito says, what are you talking about? So if you play craps, you can have a, a room filled with people, but if you want to go to church, you can't. So I don't trust these guys. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us. 
we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Well, terrible. uh, Two small planes uh, collided in Alaska uh, around Anchorage. And this draws my attention because three of those who died were obviously children of the same family. Caleb Holsey, 26, Heather Holsey, 25, McKay Holsey, 24. Can you imagine that, Mr. Producer? So parents somewhere just lost these three kids, 26, 25, and 24 of the seven who perished. Uh, the one plane had the one pilot who was a representative in the uh, Alaska State House, and the other plane had six individuals, including these three young people from the same family. <sighs> Boy, it puts things in perspective, I suppose, doesn't it? Man, I had a lot more to get to. But, you know, that's not the point of this show. I've got a stack, and I've got to get through everything. It's not the way it works. But I do see that Seattle, the mostly white city of Seattle, has decided to slash its police budget by 50%. So if you're a regular American, a normal human being, whatever your race, creed, color, or religion, I have advice for you. Get the hell out of there as fast as you can. Just the thought. Because you slash the police 50%, well, you're going to become Portland. Ladies and gentlemen, every Friday, in your honor, in honor of this great country, America, here goes.
Folks, don't forget Life, Liberty, and Levin Sunday. I forgot to tell you. My guest, Sean Hannity. Sean Hannity and Mark Levin. We're going to have a great time. 8 p.m. Eastern Time Sunday. If you can't watch it live, please DVR it. It's going to be a fantastic show. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Good night, Spritey. Good night, Griffey. Good night, Pepsi. Good night, Smokey. Good night, Zelda. Way too many. And good night, Gigi and my beautiful little Barney. We miss you a ton. And of course, good night, Dad. Good night, Mom. Good night, Leo. We miss you greatly. I will see you on Sunday, 8 p.m. on Fox. God bless. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.